Oh, what's uh -oh. up? Yo, <laughs> it's lit out here. Uh, Talia, Pika, Talia, Pika, Talia, Pika, Talia, Pika, Talia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pika, Talia, Pika, Talia, Pika, Talia, Pika, Talia. Ah! It's lit. Hello, welcome to the rabbit hole, the definitive developers podcast. I'm your host, Michael Nunez, our co-host today. Dave Anderson. And today, we got another interview. Yeah, this is the last in a three-part PyCon Italia series. Yeah, Dave was out there a couple months ago, or many months ago, rather, to Florence, Italy, where he gave his talk in PyCon Italia, Choose Your Own Adventure, right? That was yeah, the name? Choose Your Own Adventure with client web service. Wait, no. Choose your adventure for client web services with GraphQL. It was a mouthful. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, definitely. <laughs> but it was fun. Yeah, you scored a couple of interviews, which is great. Uh, great content. But the one up next is with someone by the name of Patrick Armino. For those who don't know, Patrick is the chairperson for PyCon Italia. How did you manage to sit down with the chairperson of PyCon Italia? We, well, we had the GraphQL connection. And also Patrick is a super chill guy. Like he's he's very relaxed. Yeah. So uh, Patrick gave a talk on GraphQL and Python, uh, which I saw on the schedule and I was like, oh no, there's two GraphQL talks. Right. This guy's my rival. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh his talk was in Italian, which unfortunately I couldn't I couldn't go and check it out right. because I don't speak Italian. Yeah. But most most of the talks were in English. So I decided I wanted to pick his brain and talk with him and try and get an interview about you know what what his experience with graphql is and see you know where those overlaps were between you know what what pain points we have and what he has yeah because i imagine like you guys are using the same frameworks but like there's different uses and different like domains where you would use graphql in a completely different language that you right. would talk about graphql in. yeah like he was talking more about like uh, message passing and like adding things to queues and stuff like that and that's not really a use case that we're using right now but like a lot of the core common core problems that he was facing like how do i do permissions and authentication and authorization for this service where it's so flexible you can you can really do pretty much anything with it and it was like oh okay this is my person. Like we, yeah. we're both feeling this pain. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So let's get that rolling. This cool. is, uh, we'll dive right into the interview. This is Patrick Armino. Cool. Give him the tape. Enjoy. And thanks for hosting me in this podcast. Awesome. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? So, yeah, I'm a full-stack developer. I work mm. in an agency in London, and I mainly do backend stuff right now. And I'm focusing on Python and GraphQL so like for my work and also personal projects. Yeah. And I'm also like the... I'm the chair of Python Italy, so we organize this conference here in Florence every year. Nice. And we are also working on building the current website using modern technologies like, I said, GraphQL
So what, what excites you right now about GraphQL or what, what problems are you most interested in? So I'm most interested in the uh, permission authentication. I think authentication is mostly solved right now because you can use headers so you can send tokens as a like a feed. Yeah, document. it's pretty um, pretty agnostic to whatever <laughs> yeah, you need. Yeah, permission is kind of Quite interesting, especially if you use frameworks like Django, where you, where you already have loads of stuff made for you, like all the groups, permissions on actions, on single models. Right. And yeah, something I would like to work on on this, the Python libraries to actually have an integration for those fields, those for those uh, Django features. Like to build it into the graphene. Yeah, like, should, uh, I think it should be built in because it really makes sense that it's like like as a feature of the library. Yeah, it's something that can can some comes up like quite often. Yeah, it seems like that that's something that we're struggling uh, struggling with right now too. Because like you know, with, with so much flexibility that you get with GraphQL, which I, I guess like just to give context for anyone who doesn't really fully aware of it, it's a query language for your API. So you can get any fields, any any model pretty easily by default. So Yeah, you can also do like uh, like with mutation. We can you can do changes on the server and it's quite power, powerful because you don't it's not related to entities, so you can do like a mutation that doesn't send some notification to a specific user for example. Right. And if you have all like this power on on your API, you need to, to make sure that no one is using them uh, inappropriately. Yeah. So that's yeah. where permission come, comes into play. Right. And especially for like some fields that might be like sensitive data. Yeah, like, especially for that. For example for I think some of the ideas we have for our conference website is, for example, the admin can see the email of the users, but not the like normal user. They cannot see. Right, you can't that's, list out the email yeah. address and home yes. address of all of the users. Yeah, since like um, GraphQL, it's, it's easy to introspect the API. We need to make sure that only if you're logged in as a admin user, you can see the field. Or if you're mm. logged in as a normal user, the field is always none. So are. You're you're talking about like really aggressively even hiding the field so that it wouldn't even be part of the schema or uh, where it would just return no value. So potentially yes, we can hide the field. I'm not sure since this this project is going to be open source, we're probably not going to bother about hiding the field. Right. It's it's, it's going to be there, but right. maybe that's something that could be interesting for someone that's got an API that it's going to be used internally and externally, and that's right. what. I think GitHub does, so the, their GraphQL API is, is being used internally and externally, so it's right. public and private at the same time. Oh, so like the public API, the V4 API, which mm -hmm. is pretty awesome. Like if you, yeah. have, if you haven't checked it out, like you should definitely go to their website and, and play with it. They have graphical setup and everything. But mm -hmm. So you're saying that like their public API is a like subset of what fields might be possible on yeah, the private much, API. Yes. Yeah. So they eventually have a single code base that works for internal external, which is quite amazing because you have to maintain only one one project, I guess. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a, a challenging thing, especially since like a lot of what the user sees might be like restricted by their context. Like, you know, if, for example, like on a, a purchasing site, I might not be able to see the orders of another user, yeah. but I definitely want to see my own orders. And, um, Maybe different users might have different abilities to like see certain information on those orders. Have you looked into like kind of like pre-compiled queries or? Like, oh yeah, that's like, something actually. Yeah, I always forget about that. It's quite interesting because you can do 
um, you can do interesting stuff with that. So you can optimize, for example, the front end, so you only send an ID. So right, yeah. So it's like less less overhead, mm-hmm. and maybe also a little bit more security because it's locked down. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it depends if you lock down the backend as well. So you can only say, oh, I only accept the, the following queries. So right. By IDs, and you can also use get if it's just a query, it's not a mutation. So you yeah. can use cache caching on it. Oh so yeah, can, can that's use true. Varnish on top of it. Yeah, quite nice. Yeah, it's an interesting thought, yeah, actually. It's, it's something that Facebook is doing, and it, they are doing it for Instagram for sure, because I was playing with the, the API. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, okay. they basically send an ID, like a query parameter. Okay. And they, this is how they use Yeah, it. I know um, Twitter is doing a similar thing where yes. you need to like submit your query. Like Even for the public API, you need to submit your query, oh, and it, it, it validates your query, and then it gives you an ID back, so then... You need to go and ask for that query by the ID. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a separate service even to submit a query. I see. Yeah, it's nice. That's just here. Yeah. Although I guess like the challenge with that is that like Facebook and Twitter are both like really large companies, yeah, and the the kind of extra overhead of like setting up the pipelines and stuff is challenging. It definitely would be something that I would love to see like more in open source, like maybe as a part of mm-hmm. the graphing Django view or something yeah, like that. Yeah, there was someone coming up with this. They wanted this feature in the in the library, but actually it seems to be really easy to set up. So, for example, if you have your Django view, mm-hmm. you can check if there is a get parameter. If there is one, check if it's an ID, and then go fetch the query from the file system database, and then you can send mm-hmm. that query to Graphene. Right. Be, but yeah, it's, it would be nice to have it implemented in like, some kind of standardized way. Yeah. yeah. But that's right. Yeah, I guess it isn't isn't too hard. The, the, the only thing is, you just need to make sure that your front end queries are in sync with yeah, the, definitely. The and also, I mean, if it's implemented like as a feature of the library, more people are gonna use it because not everyone knows everyone knows about this. Right. right. If yeah. It's in yeah. The documentation is gonna be. It seems like there's a lot of like kind of unique things that people are like discovering right now. If yeah. if you like watch the videos from the GraphQL conferences and stuff. Yeah. Also, yeah, the data loaders is not used much. I think I haven't used it yet. They're they're pretty great actually. Like so, for our particular application, we basically made a really robust uh, web page as our first our first one. So it's pretty much like a spreadsheet where there's okay. like all kinds of financial information and quantities and calculations happening, and so in, in the end, like you might have like forty thousand or like four hundred thousand records that are coming over the GraphQL oh. API, and at that point you kind of hit a wall, and you need to use data loaders. So I don't I don't know if you saw Piero's talk on Friday, no, but he, uh, maybe if they recorded it, you could you could check it out. But there's there's a blog post that he, he put okay, up as well, and I, I think he explains the data loaders pretty well. Like mm-hmm. that's one of the areas that I think graphing like could be a little bit stronger, like the documentation yeah. for data loaders is a little little too brief. It's like they exist. Then what? <laughs> yeah. What's next for Icon Italia and any other conferences? Are you- so, um, well, we have some big plans for next year because it's going to be the tenth edition. So, which oh, okay. be something nice. It's going definitely going to be in Florence again. It's really hard to find another venue that works so well, and then we know. In uh, this particular hotel here. Yeah. Okay. Definitely, we're going to work on the website because that's like a key priority. Right. Now. I guess that'll be really nice also for the 10th anniversary to have yeah, like a nice yeah. shiny website. We, we have like a few people that want to help out, but we need someone also to organize the work because with so many people, it's really 
difficult right. to spread out work. Someone's got to be the, the project manager. Yeah, hopefully, the, the yeah. Product so manager. Maybe I found a guy that's so <laughs> Right, yeah. Because he was saying, oh, maybe we should do Kanban and stuff. Do you want to do it? Mm, yes. <laughs> that be interesting. That's good. Just yeah. apply some peer pressure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for next conferences, I'm actually going to a few of them next two months. So I'm going to Google I.O. next uh, next May. Where, where's next that month? one? Google I.O. Uriah? What is it? Google I.O. Google I.O. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, it's called Mountain View. Cool. And I'm going to JangoCon Europe. Actually, I'm giving you a talk about GraphQL. Oh, great. It's a bit scary. Are you coming out to uh, PyCon in the States at all? Or? Uh, no, I would like to come, but... Uh, okay. Yeah, maybe it's, next year. Yeah, I decided I was going to go. But it's in Cleveland, so it's like not an exciting uh, place, yeah. but... <laughs> <laughs> Should be fun. Yeah. I think one of the Python US was in Canada once, which was interesting. <laughs> uh, then I'm going to CSS and JSConf in Berlin. Nice. So I've been doing mainly backend comps, so some front end would be really helpful, I guess. Yeah, like a refreshing change of pace. Yeah, and they also care a lot about accessibility and diversity, so it's going to be interesting. It's going to hopefully going to get some ideas for our conference to, to cool. increase the diversity. Nice. Okay. Yeah, I guess that, that that helps too. Being an organizer, you probably have a good excuse to like bother people yeah. on the other organizing committees. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, I've been really impressed with like the Python community in in Europe, and like so many different people are so enthusiastic about. Yeah, Python. It's nice. I, I like that. There are so many people coming from all over, all over the world. Like you from the states, people from Australia, India. Russia, it's pretty nice. Yeah, I mean, any excuse to come out to Florence is a good excuse in my book. <laughs> That's good. So, I wouldn't be mad if this kept happening in Florence. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much for uh, talking with me. It was, it was fun. Thank you for asking me to participate in this. It's cool. my first podcast. <laughs> cool, yeah. Well, you're welcome anytime. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Follow us now on Twitter at Radio Free Rabbit so we can keep the conversation going. Like what you hear? Give us a five-star review and help developers just like you find their way into the rabbit hole. And never miss an episode. Subscribe now however you listen to your favorite podcast. On behalf of our producer extraordinaire, William Jeffries, and my amazing co-host, Dave Anderson, and me, your host, Michael Nunez, thanks for listening to The Rabbit Hole.